Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info uh, at capitalchurch.co. Sunday of the year, a couple months back, so I've been praying and fasting about today. But uh, if you have your Bible this morning, you can grab it open and uh, turn with me to the book of Acts. Uh, I want to talk to you today, fittingly so, at the end of the year when we've, we've all been overeating. I'm trying to burn off the COVID-19 pounds. Tough crowd. Someone's like, I don't know if I can laugh at that. Uh, is that a political joke? It's not a political joke. Um, but we're going to have a good time today. I like to, I think that, that humor is, is, the, is the sugar that helps the medicine go down. And so I do intend on telling a couple jokes. I am a father of two kids, so they might be dad jokes. And if, you, uh, if you're new today, I'm going to read 18 verses out of Acts chapter 4. My thesis this morning is I want to talk to you about being hungry, being hungry, specifically for power. Say it with me, power hungry. I'll explain, and it will be theologically sound, because Pastor Chris Wilde will rebuke me if it's not. But uh, I am so honored to call Kristen Kelly my, my mentor, my brother-in-law, and my sister-in-law. I love them and their football team. And uh, they have 30 kids, okay? <laughs> Still learning their names. Um, but I'm so proud of Kristen Kelly, and I love Tracy and Garrison so much. And I think I have the best in-laws that anyone has ever had. Pastor Ken and Connie, give it up for him. Come on, somebody. Love you so much, Mom and Dad. All right, let's jump in this morning. I got a long, lot of stuff to say, and I don't have much time to say it. And uh, they told me I only have two and a half hours to preach, and I want to honor that time. So Acts chapter 4, uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, this is a really powerful story. And I don't know about you, man, but I, I think that we could all agree that hunger is a powerful thing. If you ever tried fasting, you understand what hunger is. If you fast long enough, food in the trash starts getting enticing. I used to fast every year in January, and I remember cleaning out. The finance ladies eat good at this church. I was a janitor for five years, and I'm telling you, Pastor Susan and Char, they always had Qdoba and other food. I'm like three, four days into a fast, I'm like, that looks pretty appealing. And I'm telling you, there's something powerful about hunger. And I believe if 2020 has revealed anything, it's revealed what our true hunger is. Some of us are hungry for political power. Some people are hungry for economic power. Some people are hungry for racial power. There's, there's all these power struggles going on. And I want to talk to you today about my, my humble opinion of what I think the greatest thing we could actually hunger for. And if you have your Bible, uh, again, Acts chapter 4, to give you a little back, back story here uh, before we read, is essentially uh, Acts chapter 2, the church is born. Acts chapter 1 is right after Jesus came out of the grave. And uh, he hung out, did you know this? He hung out for 40 days after he got out of the grave. 500 people saw Jesus come out of the grave. 500 people were told, go wait in Jerusalem until you're endowed with power, endued with power from on high. And it says this, that out of the 500 that he told, only 120 hung out. Which is amazing that 300 people, where the heck are those 380 people at? 120 made it to the upper room. The church is born in a roar. It's funny that Jesus came quietly in the night, but the Holy Spirit came loud in a house. I always tell people that demons come in quiet and leave loud, and Jesus comes in loud and leaves quietly. Another message. 
But Acts chapter 2, the church is born. And when it's born, this coward named Peter, who was scared of a junior high girl at a fire pit, all of a sudden gets the courage to actually boldly stand up in front of 3,000 individuals and say, crucify me if you want, but Jesus is real. 3,000 get saved. Following this amazing feat, the church is born. It's born, say it with me, in power. I want you to know that Christianity has swept the earth not because of persuasive marketing and some, some come on, some like salesmen that have been able to sell the product. It's, it's changed the world because of the power. It is the only world religion that claims to have a living, active power. We're not worshiping someone that's still in the grave. We worship a God. That's funny. I don't know if you caught this, but we sing lyrics about power. I think sometimes what we sing and what we live are different. And I want to talk to you today about getting hungry for what's, what's significant. Yeah. Acts 3, Peter and John are walking to church to a prayer meeting. Peter cuts people's ear, ears off. John hugs everybody. They're good friends. <laughs> They're heading to a prayer meeting. They see a guy that was paralyzed from his mother's womb. Four decades of his life, he's never walked. He says, I don't, have, I don't have money. I don't have an Escalade. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and Walk. This guy, double miracle, not only is he healed, but miraculously, not only does strength come into his legs, but immediately his coordination comes to be able to walk. Scholars call it a double miracle. And this guy not only walks, but after he walks, all of the religious elites, 71 of them called the Sanhedrin, which would be equivalent to our, our Supreme Court, arrest two Galilean fishermen by the name of Peter and John. And it says this in Acts chapter four, after this miracle, and it came to pass in verse five, I'm gonna read 18 verses, pray, tell a couple jokes. If you don't laugh, we call you a bad crowd. And then we'll, uh, we'll land on some points and we'll let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And some of you are gonna be healed today and touched and some of you are gonna give your lives to Jesus. And it's gonna be a good Sunday. Everyone said amen. We can leave right now says this, and it came to pass on the next day when the rulers and the elders and the scribes, as well as, the, as, as Annas, the high priest of Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set John and Peter in the midst, they asked him, by what power, what power did you heal this 40-year-old lame beggar? How in the world, what name have you done this in? It says, then Peter being filled. I did a whole study on filled. And it's interesting because throughout the New Testament, the book of Acts, you show me someone that turned their city upside down, I'll show you someone that was proudly filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We're helping right now in Orange County, people that love God the Father, God the Son, and have only known the Holy Scriptures come to know the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is not weird. Can I get an amen? He's not scary. He's not spooky. There are some Holy Spirit Christians that are filled with him that are spooky and they are weird, but they would be completely weird without him. And here's the secret today is that if Jesus is not scared of something theologically, we will not be scared of it. And I want to warn anyone that grew up in a church that warned you against, oh, those spirit-filled churches, those churches that believe in miracles, those, those, prosper, those faith churches. You better not go to a faith church. You got to find a doubt church. <laughs> Show up believing for nothing. Listen to me. 
Very important here. It says this, that they, he was filled. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged by a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to everybody that by all people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which the builders rejected, the chief cornerstone, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven by which that is given among men, which men must be saved. That's why even atheists cuss in the name of Jesus Christ. Which tells you something, that why would you say Jesus Christ when you cuss if you didn't sense the power in his name? I've never heard an atheist scream Buddha. I've never heard an agnostic shout Muhammad when they slam their fingers in the door, but I've heard many say Jesus Christ. Another message. And it says this, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, which I do believe boldness is a byproduct of being filled. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. They perceived that they were uneducated, untrained, as the original Greek calls them idiots. They were untrained, uneducated idiots. This might be my life, my life scripture right here. They realized, though, even though they were untrained, uneducated idiots, that they have been with Jesus. Seeing the man who was standing there healed with them, they couldn't say anything against it. But when they commanded them to go outside the council, they conferred among each other, saying, what shall we do for a notable miracle has been done? It's evident to everybody in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. From now on, you speak to no man in Jesus' name. So they called them in, commanded them not to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. I almost wonder if this happened today, if the North American church would comply. You're threatening us? Oh, okay. You'll remove our tax exemption? Oh, 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 okay, we won't, we won't, okay, we won't. But I love this, that no one's taking their antidepressants. No one's panicking in the fetal position, sucking their thumbs. I don't read any stories about our early church fathers losing their backbone. It says, Peter and John answered and said, all right, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than him, you decide. For we, I love it, this is the greatest 420 on the earth right here. You ready? We cannot but speak the things that we have heard and the things that we have seen. Yeah. So they threaten them, they beat them, they let them go. And when the Peter and John got back to the other motley crew, they said, guys, this is what happened. They threatened us. They, they threatened our tax exemption. They said, if we meet, we gather, that we're going to be shut down and they're going to they're penalize us and they're going to remove our rights. And this is crazy. They're, 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 in the, they're in the oven right now of pressure. But notice what our early church fathers did in the face of adversity says they got together, and in verse 29, they prayed. They said, Lord, look at the threats of the dark world that we're living in, and grant your sons and your daughters and your servants that with all, say with me, boldness, that with all boldness we may speak your word. By stretching out your hands, God, would you please, 
Would you heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus? And when they prayed, the place that they were assembled was shaken. It says everybody, everybody, er, everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke God's word with boldness. It's funny that Christianity started bold, but now it's politically correct. I want to get hungry today. Anybody else? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit. I invite you, Lord, today to use a nobody from nowhere to be able to bless, God, encourage, to edify your people. I pray that you would feed your sheep today, that you would lead them. I ask you, God, that you would invigorate this room with your Holy Spirit. I pray beyond a good message or beyond a good atmosphere, I pray that, Lord, you would show up in a mighty way. God, without you, church is dry and lifeless. So, Holy Spirit, we honor you today as the preeminent one. Would you have your way? Meet us where we are. We pray you'd bless the Lakers and, Lord, help all the Cowboys fans. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. They need your prayers. Poor Cowboys fans. I, uh, I've noticed uh, we have two. We've been married now for 15 years. It's crazy. Got married on this platform right here. Married the flyest woman on the planet. We have two little girls. As you saw, they're not so little anymore. Our 12-year-old looks 19. Our 5-year-old still is like a blender missing a lid. And um, it's interesting. You don't have to train kids to be bad. Have you noticed that? It's interesting that no one has to teach kids to be selfish. You don't have to teach your kids to say mine, but you do have to teach your kids to say thank you. It's amazing how kids, you know, they, it's from the very onslaught of, of their existence, they, they have this internal drive for power. Being the oldest sibling, I had two older brothers, John and Lucifer, and um, <laughs> it's not his name, his name was Satan. Um, but I was the youngest sibling, and they tormented me and tortured me, and, and I was always the, the, the punchline to all their jokes. They were, like, super skinny, and I was, I was a little, you know, my mom said I had a healthy appetite. She called me thick. Know what that means? I know what that means now. But, uh, yeah, I, I just grew up, I remember just always there was, whoever was in charge, there was always a power struggle. Always. Even now, I mean, I have, I have three girls in my house, right? I have two little girls and my wife. Uh, I'm like Michael Borner. I live in an estrogen farm. And uh, I come home some days from a long day at work, and the girls are home, and one of them's crying, and she's like, 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 you know, telling me, the girls slammed the door in my face and called me a stupid head and said I couldn't be in their club. Crying, right? And I'm like, Rochelle, look. Um... <laughs> There is a, there is this perpetual, perpetual battle, struggle for power. I think hunger is a, a big deal. I think hunger is one of the most important parts about you. I, I'd actually go on the record to say that hunger is maybe one of the greatest motivating forces on the planet. I believe that hunger, uh, believe it or not, is, is one of those things with God that it's maybe the greatest gift you can give God is hunger for him. One scholar said that when God is, most, God is most glorified in us, when we are most satisfied in him. He said that what we hunger for is actually what we worship. 
And I'm actually, in this day and age, I feel like our appetite, we don't realize this, but our appetite will always determine the direction of our lives. Some of us wonder, why is my life getting off track? It's because our appetite has got off track. It's because we're hungering and worship things that don't matter in the grand scheme of eternity. I am convinced that North, many North Americans will get to heaven and wonder, my gosh, I actually was hungrier for Target and, and professional sports than I was the kingdom of God. In America, our king, we don't, live, we don't live in a monarchy, but we do, I think our king and our queen is, our king is sports and our queen is entertainment. And King Jesus many times does not sit on front, second, or third row. He's somewhere in the fourth or fifth tier of our lives. And I want to tell you that in 2021, I can't promise you a, a perfect year, but I can promise you that you can actually make a decision today to change the foundation of what you hunger for. I believe that hunger is a powerful, powerful thing. The truth is, as an American, we're so blessed that oftentimes our greatest enemy for, God, for loving God is not God's enemies, but it's sometimes God's gifts. One man said it's not poison, but it's apple pie that's stealing from most American Christians' appetite. Hunger is your spiritual thermometer. When was the last time you go, man, I'm hungry for God's word? I'm hungry to pray. I'm hungry to share my faith. I'm, I, I, I'm hungry to have that, that vibrancy I had when I was 18 at camp. When was the last time you have discovered your appetite for God? Your hunger for God? It's interesting because some of you, you don't know that you're sick, but you are sick because the first thing that doctors will tell you about terminally ill people is the first thing you lose is your, it's your appetite. People that get terminally ill, why? Many times you get severe sickness and you'll start withering down to nothing, not because you can't eat, but because you lost your desire to eat. You ever heard someone like my mom say that you have a healthy appetite? Yeah. Appetite is often an indicator of health. And I've, I've just, I've looked around, I've surveyed. It's interesting how all churches have reacted differently this year. All, all churches, I'm not saying there's a right way and a wrong way. I believe this, and this is what I'd encourage you as, as, mem as part of this community, is I think it's, it's the job of every local church pastoral team to go, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do here now? And it's our job to get behind our leaders and say, hey, you, we could have done it differently. There's 65 different ways to outrun an avalanche. But I'm going to get behind whatever way you want to do because we got to work together. And many people don't realize this, but there is a, a, a I, I believe many times we are so full of what doesn't matter that we have no room for what does. I believe that would be the indictment of the North American church. We have literally been blessed out of church. We have been blessed out of devotion. We're so stimulated with phones and tablets and Netflix and, and sports and the NFL package and the NBA package and, 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 and the movie theaters. And you know, not, I'm not saying those are bad things, but I will say you have to guard your appetite. I feel like this last year, if there's anything that Rashawn I've been really praying for is, Lord, help us to continue to hunger for what eternally matters. Had one of my favorite conversations. I love talking to my father-in-law when I come into town. One of my favorite things to do is to talk to him just about life and God and the church. And we stayed up pretty late last night talking. But we were talking. I just, I was overwhelmed with just, just man, I, I told him, I said, Dad, the hardest part about leaving Idaho 
was we loved here, this church. We love all of you so much. And my wife and I in our beautiful house built by Zach Evans, come on, shout out to Zach Evans Construction, that he blessed us with with a really phenomenal deal that we did no business living in that neighborhood. But I'm living in this beautiful house and we literally, we, it was, you ever seen Father of the Bride too? When they're driving and she's looking out of one side of the window and he's looking out the other side of the window and she sees like all the kids skipping with their parents and it's blue skies and everyone's happy. That was our neighborhood. That was our life. We had this beautiful life in Idaho. We laid in bed at night and we wrestled. We go, God, is the purpose of life to have a good job, to have job security, to go to a good church, to have a good paying job, to be able to take vacations every year, drive a nice car, have a nice house, maybe own a boat, have some cute kids. Is that the purpose of life? Or is it to figure out, God, you made me for a reason. And even if I don't like that reason and where that reason leads me to live, I will leverage my existence to serve you. And we had this epiphany that we had to hunger, not for the temporary, but for the eternal. The temporary would have kept us in Idaho, which would have been a good life. But I believe that we would have been judged because God made us to influence California. And that's why 1,400 people in 120 Sundays have given their lives to Jesus at Ocean's Church. God made us for a purpose. Tozer said that the, to have found God and to still pursue him is the soul's paradox. Many of us, we find God and we stop searching for him. We pray a prayer at church and we stop hungering for him. We go to church camps in high school, but after high school, we stop hungering for him. And I believe that lukewarm Christianity begins when we find ourselves indifferent towards scripture and the things of God. When we get more excited talking about our next vacation than we do the, the things of God. I even meet pastors that are more excited about their next building program. And they're more excited about the, the, the things that are happening financially, or the things that are happening with, with, with just people, sports, or new teams coming in, or new players, or new recruits. God help us to get excited for what matters in the light of eternity. And I just, I've been praying lately, and I just think, man, it's, it's so crazy that when you have kids, my, my, my oldest is 12, so we'll leave her in charge for, you know, four or five minutes at a time. We'll walk to the post office, we'll say, Kenzie, you're in charge, and I need you to use your authority to serve your sister and not to brag about your status. In layman's terms, we tell her when she's responsible, we say, you are in charge. I'm giving you daddy and mommy's power, but I'm giving you this power so that you can lead your sister the way that we lead your sister. And I believe the reason why Jesus went to the cross and he said, it's better that I leave, because if I can't leave, I don't leave, I can't send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and will guide you into all truth. He'll be the paraclete. He'll be the helper. He'll be the one that, he'll he'll remind you of everything that I've said and he'll guide you and lead you into truth. I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit came to the earth upon the death of Jesus on the cross was poured out in Acts chapter two. Listen to me, why? Because God wanted to give us his spirit so that we we can live in the world and steward it with his authority Because the most frustrating thing in Christianity is trying to live like Christ without the Holy Spirit. 
I meet more people that lose their faith because they look, they go, Mark, I tried reading my Bible. I tried overcoming pornography. I tried to stop lying. I tried to stop drinking. I tried to stop, but I couldn't do it. So I gave into it and I started building a theology that justifies low living. And whenever you build a theology that justifies living lower than what Jesus died to give you, you will inevitably end up on the road to lukewarm Christianity, which if you, if you stay there long enough, your coal will burn out. I'm not lying. And I'm telling you today that, that there's something so profoundly powerful about, about saying, God, I want, to, I want to have the same spirit that Jesus walked on the earth with. I would argue with you today that we have to be hungry for the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, we can't live like Jesus. Very simple thought. The truth is, you can't play the piano like Beethoven, write music like him, without the spirit of Beethoven. You can't paint like Michelangelo with the inspiration of Michelangelo unless you're filled with the spirit of Michelangelo. And I believe it is impossible likewise to live like Jesus in the earth to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world without the same light and the same salt that Jesus was filled with. I'll take the golf hand clap. Come on, if you're going to clap, give God a good hand clap this morning. You don't understand, Mark. America's going to hell. California's going to hell. Everyone's telling me, right? God's done with California. I just want to remind you that um, throughout history, where we give up, it's usually where God begins. I don't know if you read the Bible, but it says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. I believe God sent people into California like us because he's not done with that state. And if you want to throw in the towel in California, I'm just telling you what happens there will eventually happen everywhere else. So instead of cursing that state, I'd encourage you to start praying for it. Because you mark my words, if God revives California, it will touch every other state in this nation. That's why we moved there. People go, no, I, it's just, it's too dark. It's America's God, it's just, it's, it's godless. I want to remind you that cities like Philippi, Thessalonica, we start talking about ancient Rome. You want to talk about a morally bankrupt world? That world was so dirty. It makes, it makes Los Angeles and New York cleaner than a LDS holy underwear closet. Come on. You have no idea, no idea how dark the ancient world was compared to today's world. And God is not done with America. Can I get a real amen? amen? Well, Mark, there's not many real Christians left. Well, here's a little mathematical study here. There was 4 million people in Palestine in Acts chapter 2. In 32 years, Christianity went from the corner of Palestine with 120 people. For all of you mathematicians, that means for every one Christian, there was 33,000 non-Christians. Now, I don't know if you like odds. That's not great odds in Vegas. One in 33,000. One to 33,000. So think about this. Uh, somehow, in 32 years, from the corner of Palestine all the way to Rome, standing before Caesar, Acts 17 says it this way in Thessalonica. It says that they actually had a guy come in and accuse the people of God. They said, we have to arrest these men. They're the ones that are turning the world upside down. They turned for 120. One man affected 33,000 each. 
So don't tell me, well, Mark, well, there's not enough righteous people in Idaho to turn the state around. There's not enough Christians in California. Listen, there is a lot of wickedness in California, but there is, I, I promise you, millions of good people in California still. I love the half-convinced hand clap there. That's powerful. Appreciate the confidence. I love this story because it is one of Peter's finest moments. He literally went from denying Jesus at a fire pit in front of a junior hire, preached this prolific message to 3,000 people that they get saved, and now he's on trial. Can you imagine being an uneducated, untrained fisherman, and you're standing before 71 of the most elite, highly educated, affluent, powerful people in the earth? And he stands there before them and they point their finger at him and they say, you better shut up with that Christianity stuff. You better keep your faith to yourself. You better, not, you better keep your faith compartmentalized. You better keep your faith out of government. You better keep your faith out of public education. You better keep your faith out of every sector of society. You keep your faith in the walls of the church. And I want you to know, if I was the devil, that would be my language as well. And it's so funny to me because we've all been educated at these higher education universities by these godless professors that have shaped our worldview. God doesn't belong in, he doesn't belong in politics. You want to give politics over to the non-Christian? You want the godless writing your loss? Well, no, but we should stay out of it. That makes a lot of sense. Well, separation of church and state. Well, if you study your history, Jethro, you'll find that they actually made these laws not to, keep, not to keep the church out of the government, to keep the government out of the church. They were scared of the government forcing Christians to conform to their ideologies. They were never worried about Christians being the salt and light to government. By the way, that's so funny. I was telling my dad this, father this last night. I said, you know what bothers me more than anything else is when people eat the fruits of godly roots but they forget about the roots that made us who we are. All of you that love America, oh, I love the freedom, I love the, I love the prosperity. You remove God from this nation and you will lose the very fruit that made America great. A hundred percent. Well, it's not even a great nation. Then move somewhere else. I've traveled the world and there is a reason why everyone wants to live in this nation. A hundred percent. Come on, give God a real hand clap if you believe it. I'm not lying. That's not politically correct. No, it's truth. We live in a godly nation. Our foundations are godly. We're not perfect. No nation's perfect. But God is in the cement. If you were to look at the, the foundation of America, the fingerprints of God, like some of your kids when you built your house, the fingerprints of God are in the foundations of this nation. And I'm telling you that if we, one of my heroes said this, he goes, Mark, America, God, God will make it without America. America will not make it without God. And I am more convinced today that Christians have to wake up from this, this spiritual apathy that goes, I'm not gonna believe for anything, I'm not gonna pray for anything, I'm not gonna get involved in anything. Can I remind you that you are the salt of the earth. We just gotta stay out of media, we have to stay out of politics, we have to stay out of entertainment, we have to stay out of the arts, we have to, we have to avoid education, we have to avoid the business world, we have to stay solely in the church. And my friends, that is why we are in the mess that we are in. Yes. 70s and the 80s, we tried to create Christian ghettos, 
called the church that we did church in Sunday in the walls and we let the big bad world, we escape from them during the week. And I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit, the churches that rise out of 2020 and 2021 are the ones that realize, God, you made me salt, you made me light to invade the earth. I feel some courage coming into this room today. I am convinced that when the Holy Spirit comes into the disciples, Jesus comes out of them. And the only difference between the end of Matthew and the beginning of Acts was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That is the only, the only evidence of Peter changing from a denier to a bold proclaimer is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You know those spirit-filled preachers? Yes. I like singing those songs, yet you know they're written by spirit-filled songwriters. I don't know why, I just like, well, well, I just, I'm just drawn to that. I want to tell you that the secret sauce is we invite the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's so funny because I'm telling you right now, the meanest people in the world are Christians that know the Bible, they know the scriptures, but they don't know the Spirit. Because the scriptures without the Spirit creates rigid, legalistic believers. It says the Spirit gives life. You know, the end days church, it says they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power. Power of what? The power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know, we moved to California, and I'm like, God, I'm not that smart. I'm not that good looking. I'm pretty good looking, but I'm not great, you know, probably a couple people better looking than me. <laughs> Kidding. I'm like, but God, we, we, what we do know is that if we can build the church like the book of Acts built the church, so funny, we've gotten so smart in the 21st century that we think we have to create new pipelines and new avenues to do church. I've outsmarted the, the blueprint of Acts. Kind of reminds me what Paul said, professing to be wise, they became fools. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit still works. He's still awesome. He's still powerful. The bank can come up here. I'm, I, feel, I feel power gonna just smack this room in a second. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, when he shows up, it changes you on the inside. Can I remind you, we, we serve a big God. We don't serve some little God. We don't serve Jehovah barely or Jehovah broke. We don't ser serve Jehovah not, 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 not able. It, we don't serve this, this wannabe, this, this little like, uh, this poser God. We serve a God that is powerful. You can see it in the size of how big the universe is. You can, it's evidence in even the Milky Way galaxy. Do you know that our little galaxy is one of the smallest out of all the galaxies? And it's still 100,000 light years apart. Before you brush that number under the rug, let me give you a little bit of an idea of that. Do you know the speed of light travels at 186,000 miles per second? For you mathematicians, you know that that means in an hour, light travels 671 million miles. So to give you a reference point to go around the circumference of the earth, it's 25,000 miles. So light in one second goes around the world. How many times, Dad? That'd be 25,000 into 183,000. Dad knows. It's a lot. 671 million miles in an hour. That means in one full day, light would travel 16 billion, 100 million miles. That's in one one day. And then if you go a year, it's 5.876 trillion miles in one year. 
And our little cul-de-sac called the Milky Way Galaxy would take 100,000 of those years to get from this side of it to the other side of it. Why would God make things so big? Scientists say that the, the universe is expanding right now at the speed of light, that there's actually billions of galaxies. And it's like, oh man, you tell me scientists that you're, you're telling me that, that we're still moving at the speed of light, that, that the universe is expanding at 183,000 miles per second. That sounds like Genesis chapter one hasn't stopped. God said, let there be light. And his words haven't stopped working since. I want to remind you, we're like, well, Mark, God can heal headaches, but he can't do anything about cancer. He can like touch tummy aches, but he can't really do anything with my business. My marriage is dead, man. I know that God can get people to heaven, but he doesn't know how to get heaven into us. I want to remind you that we serve a big God. And he is so big that when he shows up, the Holy Spirit will do a couple things. Number one, he'll give you the power to persevere. You know what some of you need right now? You need some of the Holy Spirit's power to persevere. I want to challenge you today. I want to get you hungry today for the Holy Spirit and say, God, I want to give up. Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Because when you do, I start persevering again. Galatians 6, 9 says not to grow weary in well-doing. For in due time you will reap if you do not lose heart. It says in Isaiah 59 that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God, the Spirit of God, elevates a standard. How do you persevere? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only will the Holy Spirit help you persevere, number two, write this down, is the Holy Spirit will help you to actually proclaim. And I believe there's a correlation between power in your life and sharing your faith. And whenever you lack power in the Christian life, it's because you've lacked sharing. It says, you'll receive power to be what? My, so no witness, no power. Reinhard Bonnke said it best that God goes with those that go. God does with those that do. God's not coming back for a bunch of just think tank Christians. I know the scriptures, I just don't live them. I want you to know that your maturity is not gauged by how much the Bible is memorized, how many years of Christian education you have, how many cemetery degrees you've earned. I want you to know that your maturity is gauged by how much of the Bible you live out in your life. So many people, they don't realize this, that there is power the Holy Spirit gives you to proclaim. How many know what I'm talking about? When you start opening up your mouth to talk about your faith and you realize I am no longer in control. I've never studied this. I didn't research that. I don't know where this wisdom is coming from. God is speaking through me. It's like holy autopilot. Like I gotta write this down. You've been there before? The Holy Spirit speaks through you? Isn't that an invigorating feeling? I want to remind you that, that sharing your faith is not for the first 12 months of belief. And unfortunately, most Christians only share their faith the first 12 months. You want to get good at sharing your faith? Move to a state you've never been in, part of the state you've never been in, and start a church, knowing nobody. You will speed date the county you live in. Rashawn, I thought we were speed dating Orange County. Hey, my name is Mark. You want to come to my church? I love Jesus. We got so used to sharing our faith. My Kenzie shares her faith. My Chloe shares her faith. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will come with power if you'll be willing to step out 
and not be ashamed of him. Why are we proud to proselytize crumbles cookies, but we're ashamed to share our, our faith? Invite someone to our church. Well, I might offend them. Man, I would rather offend them and err on the side of, man, I gave you a chance to know the truth. Someone be in hell for eternity. No, hell's not real. It is real. That's the urgency of our message. We don't talk about it anymore. Luther said if more hell was behind the pulpit, we'd have less hell behind the pew. But we don't talk about it anymore. Heaven is real, folks. And if heaven's real, hell is real. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, do you believe in good and bad? Yeah. Do you, do you, do you believe that bad things happening to babies is awful? Yes. So if you believe in evil, then you have to acknowledge good. And if there is one opposite, there has to be, are you hearing me today? I feel like a Jedi up here talking about the force, but if you acknowledge one side, common sense says I have to acknowledge the other. God does not send people to hell. Can we clear the air? He honors people's choice. He's a gentleman. He lets you choose life or death. It says that those who hate God love death. It says the wicked will not be remembered. I was telling my daughter this because I have one wicked side of the family that was godless. And no one even mourns. When, when someone died, no one even cries. Because the Bible says the wicked perish and no one even cares. Message translation. But when the righteous go into glory, it says the people mourn. That the righteous are remembered. Some of you are, I'm, I'm a proud atheist. Well, that's fine. I, I was a, I was a non-believer at a large, large window of my life as well. But I learned, I learned this in Bible college that it actually requires more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God. That's a stupid argument. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? How's the movie? It's not a stupid argument because if I'm wrong and you're right and there is no God. And if I live a biblical life, faithful to my wife, faithful citizen of my nation, I render to Caesar what is Caesar and to God's what is God, and I love my neighbor as myself, and I bless my enemies, and I do good to those who misuse me, and I, and I bless those who persecute me, and I do what Jesus told me to do, I will live a morally and a fulfilling sound life. And if you're right, I'll be dead for eternity in the dust. But um, if you're wrong, you don't just miss out on this life. You're gambling with the chips of eternity. If I'm wrong, I miss out on nothing. If you're wrong, you miss out on everything. So I say to my atheist friends all the time, you got way more faith than I do, brother. Because to believe in God, because here's the weirdest thing. Even if you believe in God today, can I just, as an evangelist, can I tell you, crack the door to God. Because here's the funny thing. If you're wrong, but you open up your heart to God and you pray a prayer to invite him in your life, here's the crazy part. Even if God wasn't real, which I know that he is, we know that he is, but even if he wasn't, if you missed out, but you open yourself up, you know where you're back at if he's not real? Right where you are today. You didn't lose anything. It's solely gain, there is zero loss. There's no downside of inviting God in. You know what the Holy Spirit will do? Not only will he give you a power to persevere and to proclaim, he'll give you a power to be pure. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. 
I believe the reason why most people don't see God today is they've lost their purity. They've lost their integrity. I want to remind you the Holy Spirit will make you holy. And if you get darker year after year after year, it could be that you're not worshiping the same Jesus that I worship. If you can watch old movies you used to watch and not cringe, you might not be filled with the same Holy Spirit that I'm filled with. I tried to show my wife movies I used to be proud of. I had to turn them off three minutes in. I can't believe I used to tolerate that nonsense. Are you better than us? No, but I do believe I'm better off when I guard my eyes. Can I encourage the American church that just because it's on Netflix doesn't mean you need to watch it? We've lost our way. I believe one of the indictments against my generation and younger is we become so open to everything in society that we've lost our holiness. The church is the set apart once. Well, I'm set apart, but I watch Game of Thrones like all my friends do, or Game of Thrones. Listen to that verbal pornography, watching nudity, getting drunk with all your, listen, you wanna go to a church, get drunk with your pastors, this probably isn't the church for you. You wanna go to church, your pastor's telling dirty jokes, probably isn't the church for you. You wanna go to church that celebrates everybody sleeping around and living wild, probably not the church for you. Because the Holy Spirit will make you like Jesus. One of his favorite things to do is to make you like Jesus. And it's not law, you better change, you're going to hell. It's not law. It's this, it's almost like going to a gym and your trainer's making you sweat. And you're like, I hate this trainer, but I love him. Because you start looking in the mirror every day, oh my gosh, I'm getting, I'm getting in shape. My six pack is coming out of retirement. And you start going, I like this trainer. I like the way I'm starting to look. That the Holy Spirit, you know why he convicts you? He doesn't convict you to ruin your life. He convicts you because he knows what you want to look like. He knows in your heart of hearts, you don't want to look like Satan. You want to look like Jesus. And I'm telling you the truth today. I'm being, I'm being bold. Number one, I'm flying back in a couple days. But I'm being bold today because I know what you want. You want to be faithful to your wife the rest of your life. You want to set an example for your kids to say, I'm going to, I want to live like my mom lived. I want to love God like my dad loved God. I want to live like my grandfather. I want the faith of grandma and grandpa. I know what you want. I'm telling you how to get it. You have to invite the Holy Spirit in. Because without the Spirit of Christ, you won't live Christian. You won't. Christian without Christ is just in. And I'm telling you, you need some more Christ in Christian. And you can't live like Jesus without the Spirit of Jesus. He'll make you pure. He'll purify you. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you got convicted? I'm sorry, Lord, for doing that. Saying that, Lord. Thinking that, Lord. God, would you forgive me for watching that? When was the last time you disagreed with God? I don't want to do that. He's like, do it anyways. But I don't want to. Are, are you so happy because you are the commander-in-chief of your life? Christian in name, but not in nature. That is the indictment of the American church. We are Christian in name, but not nature. Just as dysfunctional as our non-believing friends. Just as addicted to narcotics as our non-believing friends. Just as big a drinkers, just as big a cussers, just as dirty in our vocabulary. Where are we gone? 
Bible says when you discover that you've lost your way, you are one decision away of changing your mind and saying, God, I've missed you and I've missed it. Make me hungry again for what matters. We don't use it anymore, but the word repent, it means to change your mind and your way. When was the last time you repented? God, I'm off. I've been talking negative about my pastors. God, I've been bitter about my, my family. I have unforgiveness towards my boss. Lord, you convicted me in this church service. Would you please forgive me? When was the last time that you had a God conversation? That he talked like God and not your employee? He makes a way better boss than employee. Hear me today? I just, I love one of my, my mentors said that repentance is taking God's side against yourself. You ever been there before? You did something stupid. You're like, oh, Mark, you're stupid. God, I'm on your side. Mark's an idiot. I want to pray for us today that 2021, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if there's going to be more lockdowns. I don't know if there's, I don't, if there's going to be more over, overstepping this and stepping that and government drama. I don't know what 2021 holds, but I do know that I can control what God does on the inside of me. I can control what I'm hungry for. And I want to be hungry for the Holy Spirit. Anybody else in this place? Would you stand to your feet? Some people have a hard time with the Holy Spirit. He's not as obvious sometimes as, uh, as uh, you know, the crucifixion. One scholar said, receiving the unseen is not easy. Most Christians find the cross easier to accept than the spirit of Christ. Good Friday makes more sense than Pentecost. Christ, our substitute, taking our place, the Savior paying for our sins, these are astounding yet embraceable concepts. They fall into an area of transaction and substitution, familiar territory for us. But the Holy Spirit's discussions lead us into the realm of the supernatural and the unseen. We grow quickly quiet and cautious, fearing what we can't see or we can't explain. Here's my thought. Mark, does every person you pray for get healed? No. But will you let those that don't get healed stop you from believing for those that do? My answer is no. Will everybody have good things happen to them if you preach a message that's good? No. But will I not preach the message God told me to preach because of those that don't respond to his word? The answer is no. Our job is to obey God and to believe God. His job is outcomes. His job, are you hearing me today? I have so much to say, but I'm so long-winded. Forgive me. Let's pray today, amen. You close your eyes. Can we say an honest prayer today? Would you say, Holy Spirit, would you meet me where I'm at? How many here today just feel like, Mark, I, if I'm being really honest with you, I would love it if the Holy Spirit would fill me with the power to persevere in 2021. I want to finish this year with a bang, and I want to go into next year soaring in my faith. I don't want to talk about the good old days of my faith. I don't want to look back at any other window of my life with more, uh, more pride that I had fire for God then that I don't have now. I want the good old days to be today. Who wants the good old days to be today? Who wants the fire that you leave church with today to be the brightest flame you've ever had? 
I believe that he is one prayer away. His ears are not, are not shut. His arms are not too short. He's, he's still able to hear us. And if you're here today and you say, Mark, God, would you fill me with your power to persevere? Would you lift your hands towards heaven? How many say, Mark, would, you give me a, would God give me a fire to proclaim and declare his goodness in my life? Would you, look, come on, give him a wave offering with your hands. And if you're here and you say, Mark, I would love it if God would give me a, a new desire to be more pure. I want to stop naming my, my demons and start evicting them. That's just my anger problem. That's just my depression. That's just my fear. That's just my anxiety. That's just my perversion. That's just my drinking addiction. Stop naming these demons and let's start evicting these suckers. Isaiah 61 says to proclaim the eviction. The, 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 it says to declare the prisoner can be set free. To proclaim the acceptable year of God. Declare those that are blind that they can see. Good news to the poor. This is what we proclaim. And if you're here today and you say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Lift your hands all over this room. We're going to sing this song. He's here.